you know the deal. Successfully complete the mission, you get 10 years off your sentence. You fail to follow my orders in any way, and I detonate the explosive device in the base of your skull. So this is the famous Suicide Squad. Oh my god, we're back! We're back! Yep. Well, some of us are back. Uh, welcome to the Wages of Cinema. We are we are returning today with more theatrical offerings. Um, and we're going to get dive deep into one of them and touch on one kind of briefly for you guys. Uh, but first of all, uh, introducing ourselves, I am Jack. I am Trash Panda Corey. And, and I'm Matt the Conqueror. <laughs> Andrew couldn't be here tonight because he didn't survive Task Force X. No. No, he uh yeah, he he was just one of the ones that like decided to give up and you know, he was kind of swimming away, trying to swim away really quickly and Amanda Waller was not having that. <laughs> uh no, Andrew uh just couldn't make it, but he says hi to everybody and waves from his place in wherever he's at. And uh, we uh, are going to press on and talk about two, like, well, primarily one movie, but we'll kind of start off talking about our night in general and how, I don't know if we almost had a theme, uh, but it was quite quite the offering to, to pair up uh, now in movies in theaters and or uh, streaming. Because um, tonight we saw, well, The Suicide Squad, uh, the new James Gunn, uh, DC, uh, extravaganza. Uh, Ganza, Ganza. Ganza, Ganza, Ganza. There aren't enough Ganzas to fill up this movie, uh, <laughs> or to talk about it. Uh, but we saw that second, and our first movie, um, was, uh, The Green Knight. And it, and we'll probably save a longer review of that for, for another time, but for, but to give you the short of it, uh, if you have a certain uh, affinity for uh, films, and I mean real hardcore artistic films that really take you know a giant risk and it pays off, uh, The Green Knight is is that kind of movie. It's an absolutely incredible film. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it, to to give the short of it, it's it's a, a story that. In a way, I thought our theme tonight was almost like tangential IP epics <laughs> of a kind, um, because Green Knight is about uh, uh, King Arthur's nephew uh, and the you know and how his his quest becomes uh, an existential plunge into uh, what it means to live, what it means to be a hero, what it means to die. Uh, and if if you've seen any of David Lowry's other films, uh, particularly Ghost Story, uh, he 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 really proves himself with this one as far as a completely immersive, authentic feeling uh, cinematic experience. Um, it is gorgeous and moody. Yes. Very moody. I, I made the joke uh, after the movie ended that whoever operated the, the, the fog machine needs an Oscar. Just give him like a special award for how much mood is in this movie. Yeah, I thought this movie was spectacular. It was incredibly well acted. It was visually amazing. It was thematically rich. Yeah. And I want to emphasize something. We saw this, like, Andrew was the one really driving us to see this, and I saw the trailer and I thought, this could go one of two ways. It could either be really good, or it could be, like, ponderous and stilted and boring. Mm. There was a little part of me that was worried this movie was going to be boring. It is not boring at all. Like, it does not drag for a second. If you're someone like me who has kind of like a short attention span for movies and you're worried that this is going to be like a droning, boring art film, it is not that at all. No, no, no. It, it's it's not um, 
no, it 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 doesn't try your patience. If anything, it the the care that I felt from this director, like I felt like he probably read like five hundred books and you know read everything he could about that time period, and in, in the same way that like Robert Eggers with The Witch. Uh, or the the Vivich, as I call it. <laughs> Sorry, I need to be authentic of how I pronounce these titles. Uh, that same feeling where it it's almost like you're there with with the characters and uh, just how much he embraces fantasy as this tangible thing that it's not something that's at a far remove. It's something that is just part of the world that this is in and it's depicted very in a way realistically like the the fantasy feels more real than even like the re this how other movies try to show you know naturalism like it, it has that heightened sense that you know anything can happen and a lot of times things do and like there's a point where a character actually you know he he i think he asks one character like is this real or fantasy he's like and she's like does it matter <laughs> like a character responds and you're like yeah it doesn't really matter like it's just this world of 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 this this character is exploring and in a way it the metaphor part of it how metaphorical it explores the concepts is what really moved me as well and i'm sure it moved you too all what i too is there are, it's a kind of like episodic vignette structure to the film, and all the characters Sir Gowan encounters are super vivid right away. Like, every character has a fully realized personality almost immediately. Yes. And it's very clever, and even the movie is, I think, kind of heavy thematically, and it's and it wrestles with really like complex philosophical questions. It doesn't feel like homework to watch. It's also no. like clever and it's funny at times. Like I laughed several times during the movie. I also cried a lot. I feel like Matt, you've barely said anything about the movie. So do you want to? Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I liked a lot. All the performances were great, and it's so sumptuous to look at. Yeah. And it had a talking fox. Yes, a uh, talking fox and giants. Yeah. And uh, and you had read the book, and it was it a pretty good representation yeah, of that? I thought it was really good. I haven't read the book in a while, so some of it's fuzzy, but I feel like it, it captured, like, the ethos of, like, a medieval chivalrous adventure. Like, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, totally. And the other thing, too, I want to mention before we, again, move on to the other thing is I think that's another big part that helps is that Deb Patel is really great in the movie. Like, he, I almost, I wonder if he's having kind of like a career renaissance that nobody's talking about because, he is. well, I, I, did you happen to see... Uh, Nicholas that, Nickleby? No, 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 no. David Copperfield? Oh, that's the one he's in. Sorry, I got yeah. <laughs> yeah. the news. Pretty close, I guess. Uh, yeah, the personal journey of David Copperfield. I haven't seen it, but everyone said it was great. It was quite good. Like it was a really interesting take on, I guess, Dickens, and it, if it, you know, it's because it's from Armando Iannucci, and it, it was very much like it was very funny, but it also had that similar thing like this movie did, where it's like fully grounded, and it. And I think he, again, I think he really helps here in not making it feel like staid or anything like that. Because I think if you cast the wrong person, then maybe it would have been a slog. Um, which, oh, and one last final point is that that reminds me, too, that this week I watched the 80s version of The Green Knight, which had Miles O'Keefe, Tarzan the Ape Man, <laughs> and... He's no, he's no Dev Patel. <laughs> but right. Sean Connery's costume. Oh my head. god. It, it Just go on YouTube, try to find Sword of the Valiant, The Green Knight, just type in that, or 1984. Sean Connery in that movie really brings it, and 
it, it was a mystery science theater movie as well, and I didn't know that till after the fact. So one of the few times in my life I watched the movie before I watched the mystery science theater version. All right. So, so anyway. Incredible film. But we're going to talk for the majority of our review about The Suicide Squad, which was also an incredible movie. It albeit with a very different tone than The Green Knight. Yeah. And, of course, we got our big comic book brain over here to pick with guest star Matt, Matt the Conqueror. Matt so. the Conqueror. And, yeah, and what's... Uh, and, again, this is the follow-up to the... Well, not the Suicide Squad, just Suicide Squad 2016. The Oscar-winning Suicide Squad 2016. Yes. What? Makeup. Oh. <laughs> they had to get that. Was what was his name? The crocodile guy. Killer Croc. Oh, that was Killer. I forgot that was Killer Croc. Oh, they kind of wasted him in that movie, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, but they make fun up for it here, and we'll get to that. Believe me. Um, but this is the follow-up to Suicide Squad. You can go back if you want to listen to that review. Um, I probably soured a little bit more on the movie since I first saw it, so maybe my review there isn't as fresh. Uh, but what you basically need to know, the, the basic rundown here is uh, we follow up with uh, some of the characters that we met in the first movie. Uh, of course, Harley Quinn, and, uh, and, and of course, Joel Kinnaman's character... Uh, uh, Flag blank, something. Fl Rick Flag, sorry. I was blanking on his name. And, of course, Captain Boomerang himself... Yeah, he's back. Um, and at the start of the movie, uh, it's the, you know, immediately the Amanda Waller sets the, the squad on a mission. Uh, seems very dangerous and life-threatening, and of course it turns out it is. Uh, they're also included with a bunch of other characters who you kind of get the sense that they're not going to last long, and lo and behold, they don't. And it turns out that they are almost like a distraction for another team of characters who we haven't met before, and that includes uh, uh, Idris Elba's character, Bloodsport. Uh, Bloodsport. Uh, we got the, uh, the 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 Peacemaker, played by jo John Cena. Um, Rat Catcher Two. Rat Catcher Number Two. Oh, Danielle Melchior, who. Actually, has she been in anything, like, on TV? Uh, mostly Portuguese stuff. Okay. I oh, know who she was. Okay. Yeah, all right. So that makes sense. We have um, a polka dot guy, too. David Dast Mal Malchia. I hope I pronounced his name right. You you know this guy, of course. David Desmalkin. Is that... Did I mispronounce his name? A little bit. <laughs> David Desmalkin. Oh, Malkian. I, I didn't see the end. Um... Uh, and I actually, I'll, he he's one. He's someone who has a really distinctive face in the Dark Knight experiment. I'm literally the world's only Belko experiment fan. There's exactly one person. It's me. <laughs> which multiple times, baby. Which also James Gunn uh, production. Uh, I I prefer the same concept, but uh, better done movie Mayhem. But that's another... Mayhem is better than the Belco experiment. Alright, we got off on a little tangent there. Okay, so I'm just rattling off some of the actors. And then, of course, uh, Sylvester Stallone as King Shark. Best performance of his career in this movie. You're going to get, we're, we're fine. You know, I always say at the end of these episodes, you know, if you have any thoughts, share them at Waves of Cinema at Gmail. We're going to start getting some messages because of that. You, you, said what you, you said. You yeah. think he's better in this than in like First Blood? Yeah. This is it. This is the pinnacle of his career. Oh, on that. All right. So, anyway, this team is assembled and they are. You know, set to go onto this island, Cordo Maltese, um, which is a name that, by the way, you may ring a bell. It actually gets, if I remember correctly, gets name dropped in Tim Burton's Batman. Yes. Yeah, like that's, it's like, oh, that's all the Vicky Vale's photos are like of Cordo Maltese, like mm -hmm. victims and stuff. Anyway, so they're set on this mission. They have to 
you know, get into this like gigantic tower that's a big medical facility. Pierre Capaldi is a mad scientist guy who they got to go after. And now I'm blanking on his name, too. The Thinker. The Thinker. The Thinker. Oh, yes. Wow. I forgot that he's. That makes sense because he has all those bolts coming out of his head. That's such a like. I love too when he just walks around and and everybody's just used to him by now. It's like okay, yeah, it's a thinker. Yeah, like I'd be like, dude, those bolts are like you grown bolts since I last saw you. Um, so they gotta go and get you know and go after him. Uh, find out about this really terrible like, series of experiments going on for years involving um, possible extraterrestrial uh, entanglements, and we're going to get to that as well. And so, you know, that sets us off on our mission, and that's the movie. Carnage ensues. Carnage ensues. Lots of carnage. So much delicious carnage. Yeah, I don't know if we can... Can we really talk about a lot of the stuff in the movie without immediately getting into spoilers? I feel like I don't know how much people know about the movie like <laughs> that it's hard to even talk about without immediately jumping into all the the juicy stuff do you just want to go into the spoilers then okay we're going into spoilers we're just gonna say though before we go into them we were all really big fans of this movie yeah this was a this was a delight you know it james gunn if he whether you've, I, I'm sure probably a lot, most of you listening to us have seen the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, or maybe even seen uh, some of his lesser known, well, not lesser known stuff, but more of his cult fare like Slither or, or Super. Um, but he, I, I almost felt like this movie was him in the in the immediate aftermath of that whole Twitter uh, Michigas, that whole debacle, as just like. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get this on my system. I'm gonna type I'm gonna make people's heads explode. I'm gonna I'm gonna tore fucking limbs and have a shark just eating people and like that's not even gonna be the half of it. And lo and behold he did it. He it's a time it, but it's not an angry movie. It still has a lot of charm and it even has like real moments of heart. Um and I would say it's more of a, you know, if if you were looking for a real like mission man on a mission movie, quote unquote, even though a lot of, some of the characters are not men or even human beings, uh, they you get that here in a way that you didn't get in Suicide Squad because I mean the big problem in Suicide Squad was just the mission that movie was just really stupid. Yeah. Uh, even Andrew the Contrarian says this one is better than the first one. <laughs> You have to have seen the first movie to see this one. I didn't see the 2016 Suicide Squad because I don't really like fully engage with the DC movies. My engagement is very like intermittent, but I had no trouble following anything in this movie. I think what, and one other thing I'll say before again, we go into the spoiler zone. What I really appreciate with this movie is how completely comic booky it is but i'm and that sounds like a very vague all-encompassing term but what i mean is that james gunn i think really understands that comic book movies need to be like relentlessly comedic movies when they're as or at least try to keep up that you know energy um and even if when it does get dramatic at points it still has the that pulpy feeling of, you know, a really good comic book, and of course, like it's it's very exuberant in a way. Like the energy is just very much like I want to just have this joy in what I'm presenting to you all, and that I think is different than you know, like again, something like Suicide Squad, where it's really more about we want this to be cool. We want it like have cool shit all the time. You know, I advise you not to piss off Katana. Her soul, her sword straps the souls of its victims. She has my back. She has her back and she can cut like heads like, she can cut through, she can use her sword like cutting the lawn or some, it was some stupid line like that. My point is, if you're, if you're worried about 
uh, not knowing enough about the other about the characters in here. Don't worry about that. James Gunn will take care of you. He he he's there to tell you I've got you. You don't have to be an expert on these characters to enjoy it. Having said that, we're going to get into spoilers so we can kind of unpack who some of these characters are and really dig into that. So, yeah, I highly recommend it. Um, in particular, if you can go to a theater to see it, that should be an even more fun time. But I'm sure HBO Max will do just This movie needs to be seen in a theater. Oh, my God. I hope this movie doesn't suffer at the box office financially because it's... It's available for streaming. The, the the one thing that could be against it is that it's radar. But on the other hand, that might not be a problem if you know. Again, if if maybe this would attract people who you know want to get something that's extremely bloody and violent. I I think this this probably is like the most violent blockbuster I've seen since uh, pandemic. James Gunn knows. Give me the blood, Lord. Give me the blood. <laughs> James Gunn knows. Um, yeah, he, this is like him being like, all right, Marvel, I'm going to show you what I could do at your competition. Like, it it almost feels, in, in, in a way, talking about comic book stuff, it's like, you know, Jack Kirby leaves Marvel and people are wondering, like, oh my God, what's he going to do? And then he goes to DC and makes, like, the fourth world and the new gods. And it's just like, holy shit. I ex- wow, I should have expected this, but not this. this and even more stylish than his Marvel pictures. Like I was really impressed. Like all like the the nifty stuff that he's doing. The like the like the fight scene reflected in a helmet and all the different yeah. title cards. Like the both this and the Green Knight have spectacular title cards. Yeah, that was a running theme too. Yeah, there's like a thing with title uh, intertitles. I mean, Green Knight. I felt like that was more novelistic. Here, it's like. I, more of like themes, I guess. But okay. yeah, there is that, and it, yeah, it's he, it, it, it's yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. All right, we're officially in spoilers now. The siege of Starro isn't over. From a single healthy spore, Starro will rise again to feed on your world. And this time, there will be no stopping. You're unworthy of your gift. Um, the design of Starro the Conqueror, amazing. I love <laughs> Starro the Conqueror so much. He looked so. Cool. And I love his colors. I love how, like, they zoomed in on, like, the little nubbins uh-huh. along his sides. And I love, too, him shooting out all his little, like, babies. Yeah. And, oh, my God. Like, I was so in to Starro the Conqueror. And at one point, there's a title card where it says Suicide Squad versus Starro the Conqueror. And my brain just... <laughs> because... Yeah. Uh, so so, in, so if you're wondering what, who the big bad is in this movie, it's a gigantic fucking starfish from outer space. And he uh, conquers! Yes! Yeah, I've been waiting for Starro to appear in the Beeboverse forever, and they haven't done him, and I'm getting so angsty about it, but, you know, if they had embargoed him specifically for the Suicide Squad, they made the right call, because he's fantastic. Yeah, well, you think about it, they put a lot more money into Starro than they would have done for, uh, a, like, a CW show. Although he did have a cameo on Powerless. The, the TV show with Alan Tudyk and Ron Funches. I didn't even know who you were talking about. Because NBC was I've... canceled very quickly. So, like, when you say, like, cameo, like, was he just, like, on a TV screen he or something? Of um, what's her uh, What's her name? The main, the main actress's window, and Green Lantern was fighting him. Okay. Yeah. Uh, now tell me, Matt. Like, where does like Starro the Conqueror fit in the comics? I, I assume he, he didn't start in like Suicide Squad. No, he was the original enemy of the Justice League of America. 
over it. Yeah, she's on the cover of Justice League of America like, number one. Like, wait, wait, number one? Number one, yeah. So is this back to, like, He's what are we talking? Character. Oh, that explains it. Exactly. That's what I meant by, like, comic booky. This is so, like, a Silver Age villain. Yes, and he's wonderful because they take him seriously. Well, I mean, to a point. <laughs> I mean, like, they don't. Like, he looks silly, but his threat is real. Like, No, it is. I mean, it's not I, like this modern thing, like, oh, Starfish are dumb. He's just a nothing villain. Like, no, he's yeah. fucking terrifying. No, it, and it, it shows you. It, it's ironic that I think that Zack Snyder is a producer on this. I mean, even executive producer. Because he had that whole thing with Watchmen where, like, we're not going to have, like, a giant squid. That's, like, dumb. No, Nobody would take that seriously. And James Gunn is like, no, no, you can do this. You can have a ridiculous-looking character and, you know, it, it be threatening. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Because when I was watching this finale, I thought of that. Oh. Because I like the Watchmen movie. When we saw it. In fact, I liked it a lot. Part of me always wonders what I would feel about it now, given my feelings about the rest of Zack Snyder's career. But I remember when I saw Watchmen, the movie, I was one of the people who said, no, it's totally fine and good that he replaced the squid. The squid just would not work the same way in a movie. I was one of those people in, like, what, that movie called, like, 2009, 2010? Yeah, yeah, 2009. 2009. I was one of those people in 2001 that was like, no, it is totally fine and good that he, like, junked the squid and replaced it with a much more generic bomb. Well, I reflected deeply on my wrongness this evening. <laughs> I was so wrong. Star well, the Conqueror was so glorious. Oh well, yeah, he's glorious, but I think, but it also is of a piece with, you know, James Gunn knows as soon as you have like a like an anthropomorphic shark man and a, a weasel character who gets. <laughs> Well, I don't want to say he gets off because that's not technically correct, but uh, <laughs> yeah, if you've seen the trailer and see a shot of a weasel character, wonder like, wait, what the hell is that? Uh, well, first of all, Sean Gunn still getting work. Uh, secondly, that was like when I realized, oh, okay, this is this this is this movie. And, and Star of the Conqueror fits in that. It's not, like, out of place. If anything, you need that to, like, to fit, like, it, it needs to build up to something as ridiculous as that. You can't, it's not, it shouldn't just be, like, another thing in the sky that's, like, shooting down onto Earth or something. Well, it's not a shame to be a comic book movie like some of the earlier DC films were, like, you yes. know, like The Man of Steel and Batman v Superman. They're all very super serious. We are, like, big adult comics, not like those dopey kitty Marvel yeah. movies. We're, we're gonna have Doomsday, but he's gonna be really big, and he's gonna, like, be, like, like a big Freudy <laughs> muscle thing. And... <laughs> yeah, no, you don't get that. Uh, yeah, this is like, I feel like finally DC's realizing, like, with this and Shazam and, to an extent, Birds of Prey, like, no, no, you, you can have it be embracing, like, the feel of a comic book where anything goes within the context. Yeah, and... For me, someone who doesn't really read the comics, most of these characters were new to me. The only characters I was really familiar with was Harley Quinn and King Shark. Yeah. And so all these other people were very new to me. And it was so much fun to get a roster of new characters who... I really liked Across the Board. I was saying to you guys when we walked out of the theater, usually when you see a big ensemble film like this, there's always like one or two members of the ensemble that are kind of duds. Yeah. But this ensemble is all killer, no filler. I loved all of them. Yeah. I thought they were all so cool. Now, Matt... Were you familiar with all of these people before the movie? I knew generally who all of them were, but there have been a yeah. lot of changes done to most of them. So, all right. Polka Dot. 
Yes. <laughs> Polka Dot Man. Where does he come from? Polka comes from like Detective Comics 300. He's a Batman villain. And he's awesome, except I'm the only one that thinks that. And he was him in the movie. Wait, so 300, was that also Silver Age? Yeah, it was also Silver Age. Okay. I, I gotta check that but out. He's, he's very different than the character that they have in the movie. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, with, with this actor, I I also assume James Gunn put in the, the stuff regarding, like, his mommy issues. Yeah, they, they changed yeah. his uh, powers in this and his origin. Yeah. I would say among the core group, if I had to, like, if someone told me, alright, you have to get rid of one, he might be it, no. but no, no, but he's the flying guy. Yeah, flying. He's like the one I would get rid of. I almost don't. It's weird. I almost don't consider him part of the group. I know he is because he's like the sort of you know company. I'd say company man, but he's the one who's like he's not a prisoner. Yeah. To put it that way. Well, I think it is like because it almost seemed. I would say I would if I had to, but I still enjoyed him, and they still made him a character that had you know, feelings for the other characters. Like, he had a little more heart than some of the other ones. I think it's just because if maybe they gave him a little bit of a shtick. Um, they didn't use him as much as I thought they would. But, um... No, no. They, um, um, I, I thought he was so cool. And oh, he was like, funny. I loved his costume, and him shooting his actual polka dots looked really cool. He also has this thing where he's physically required to disgorge the polka dots yeah, every 12 hours. Yeah, he has, like, because he was a medical experiment gone wrong, uh, and uh, that's another name drop, I remember. Like, they mentioned Star Labs, uh, uh, if you might might know from the, the Bebo-verse. Uh, and he and he has like an allergic like react like attack basically and has to expel polka dots. So no no he he is funny. Uh, I but maybe what you said, Matt. I wish maybe they'd done that. He'd been it more. Yeah. Now, and saying yeah, Rick Flag is like the worst member of the ensemble, but he's still so much more improved than he was in the first movie. That's the thing. I think I feel like even with that, you could tell that. James Gunn knew, okay, this is one of the core group from the last movie that's got to be here, but I could make, but I can give Joel Kinnaman more to do. Like, he's, he, he doesn't have to just stand around and bark orders and, you know, repeat and repeat redundancies. Um, yeah, he's an actual character here. He is. He is an actual character. Um, motivations. Yeah, motivations. Like, he even, like, in the, you know, when he has to then deal with the, the, the secrets that get revealed about uh, what's really going on with, uh, with you know, the, 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 the starfish. Like, that whole giant thing that Peter Capaldi reveals. It's like, oh, wow. So he's really going to try to do the right thing here. Oh, big mistake. Um, of course, John Cena is really having a lot of fun. He's very committed to being a moron. <laughs> Or he's committed to peace, and if he has to kill every man, we'll be <laughs> Peacemaker, I have to assume, is Silver Age, too. Yeah, he's the inspiration for the comedian. Oh! Wow, wow. Talk about, like... God, wow. <laughs> That's what's different about this. This is like a, this is like a Silver Age comic book movie, but, like, made it $200 million. His rapport with Bloodsport was great, and Bloodsport was great yeah. as a character on his own. I love that bit where Amanda Waller is like, each member of the Suicide <laughs> Squad is selected for their unique gift. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then one of them's like, wait a minute, you do exactly what I do. He's like, I do it a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> and but the, but even but that's really good storytelling though, because that sets up a like a dynamic that is gonna go through the whole movie and lead up to like when they have their showdown, which is absolutely amazing. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. I liked Ratcatcher too as well. And one thing I thought she shared in common with the Polka Dot Man is they both have powers that initially seem kind of like 
second tier. But if you stop and think about it for a second, they're really excellent powers. Yes. So I really think Rat Catcher too a lot yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a difference too from the first Suicide Squad movie where they I don't think that first movie was really that aware of how they don't like except for like one guy, they didn't really have that many unique powers. No. Like that set them up. This movie understands that, but then A, as you said, Corey, no, they do have really cool powers and we really get to see them in really creative ways that that, that it all contributes when it comes time to have to 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 do the showdown. Like, yeah, like she's, you know, I have to think. Was she an inspiration for the Rat King? Um, Ninja I Turtles. Think so I think actually the Rat Catcher came out probably a little bit afterwards. Ah, okay. But yeah, because I couldn't help but think of the Rat King. I so refreshed seeing this movie because I I consuming a metric ton of like comic book related content lately um we got like the marvel shows which i've watched all three of them i've binge watched legends of tomorrow and supergirl between them i have seen literally like hundreds of episodes of like superhero themed tv shows this year and so I've been inundated with, like, so many concepts and villains and heroes to, even after all of that, to step in a movie and find characters and personas and powers that felt really fresh and creative was, like, a real joy. Yeah, yeah very creative. And even with uh, Bloodsport, it's like, I feel like James Gunn knew, okay, I'm not going to have Deadshot, I'm not going to have Will Smith this time. I'll have a character who the audience will definitely be reminded of him, but he has his own gimmick as well. Like, he can have, like, a gun that adds to another gun, and then that adds to another gun. <laughs> There's, like, 20 seconds of this movie is just seeing his gun unfold. Like <laughs> The most 90s weapon possible. <laughs> yeah. When you think, yeah, oh my god, you're right. Was Bloodsport like a fucking, uh, what's his name, uh, what's his name, Lifer? He's not a Liefeld character, but he was created around that time. That feels like such a Liefeld type, yeah. But Who is that? Well, Rob Liefeld was kind of notorious for uh, creating these comics in the 90s that are, have aged, they've kind of aged poorly like almost as soon as they came out but they were extremely gigantic roided out like characters that all had like the same names and like their proportions were just completely ridiculous and if you look at them like the characters have like no feet and ginormous <laughs> guns yes lots of guns and i feel like this was james gunn saying Oh, you! Uh, I am. My, the, it's in my name. I'm going to give you a gun, and it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that itself was like I. I wasn't expecting that. Like I thought I'd seen everything with Bloodsport by this point, and it's funny. I wasn't even thinking about his name after a while. He was just Idris Elba to me, because you know part of it was because he was used getting used his accent, yeah. and uh, I'd say if I have like a small criticism, and I know. It's still it still acted fine, but like like his setup in the movie is not that far off from. I mean, there's an extra dose of like Amanda Waller douchiness, but it's kind of similar to what they did with Will Smith and Death uh, Deadshot Deadshot in in the in Suicide Squad one, where it's like it's about my daughter. You know, I'm a little tired of that in movies. Uh, again, I, I, it's still a well played scene, like when they have their big standoff, like early on. But it, like, if there's one little critique I'd have, it'd be of that. Well, I haven't seen the first one, but I did appreciate that they undercut the sentimentality by having Bloodsport critique his daughter for like insufficient, cl insufficiently clever thievery. No, no, that that was fine. Like, it felt like a very like screamy scene. <laughs> like, yeah, 
I could hear that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we mentioned all the, I think a lot of the main characters, but now of course, King Shark, who like, we were surprised too that like, he's mostly referred to as Nana, Nana, if I pronounce that right? Nanue. Nanue, yeah. So, and he, it, you know, his thing in the movie is you know, he wants a friend and he doesn't really have any friends. And that's why, you know, he keeps trying to eat people and including early on, he tries to eat one of the team and, you know, one one of the other characters. Who was the character who had the heart to heart with him? Was Rat that Ratcatcher? Yeah. yeah, like that's where immediately it's like it's James Gunn's so good at that where he sets up. This is the dynamic here. This is like the, um, the you're supposed to feel things, and you're it's okay to feel things. Well, Kitch understands that the meaning of life is friends. And nom noms. <laughs> what else is life really but the acquisition of friends and nom noms? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and if he gets to eat something, he's gonna eat it, and maybe chew on it for a while, and maybe he'll have that head and just roll around <laughs> in his mouth. Well, we saw tonight are kind of about the meaning of life. Well, yeah, and what is it that makes a good life? Yeah, what makes a good life, and how do you face your death? And the opening of this movie very much is about that. As characters are offed very quickly, and uh, and by the way, the, the four characters, in case you're wondering, from last movie to this movie were um, Harley Quinn, Amanda Waller, Rick Flag, and Captain Boomerang. Well, am I missing any others? No. Yeah, I feel like the team that Amanda Waller has were all new characters. Yeah, yeah. they're all right. You know, they're they're basically there to like be the like eventual buffer to you know actually come in and become active characters, which is also kind of cool. I think occasional cutaways to them were like somewhat cabin in the woodsy, like when they were gambling over which of the suicide yeah. squad would live and die and stuff. That was kind of a quick laugh. Yeah, that that might be one of the jokes that was just okay um funny but not like as riotless riotously funny as the violence here i don't think we've really talked about how violent this movie is or given people <laughs> enough of an idea that when this is when we say this is radar this is really radar yeah <laughs> thank you my kingdom for a man who earns his r yeah uh it, it's and god like well and there are there are, there are even a couple times where it's like, hmm, do we really need to have that? Like, yes, yes, we do. <laughs> I immediately then countered with, no, 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 we, we did need that. Um, and I felt like there was a good balance uh, in terms of how like presentation. Like clearly, there is a good deal of CGI gore and like you know limbs being pulled apart, which you expect. But I felt like they slipped in enough practical blood. And effects, though, yeah. for it to work. Like, it wasn't just one type of gore. You know what I mean? Yes, there was variety in gore. Also, the all CGI characters look great. Like, I personally, as a viewer, am very critical of all CGI characters, but King Shark looked great. I already gushed all over Starro the Conqueror. So this isn't going to be one of those situations where you're looking at the all-CGI characters and saying, like, okay, it's obvious that, like, Margot Robbie's just talking to the tennis ball or whatever. No, but that's the thing, though. It's not, But it's not a tennis ball. Like, you have, you know, and this was in the Guardians movies, too. He has actors there. They're just in, like, a green suit. And so, like, in there's Sean Gunn as Weasel, but then you also have Steve Agee is, I think, uh, the King Shark stand-in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, of course, Sylvester Stallone couldn't be bothered to be King Shark on set. God. I don't know why. That kind of bugs me. He's <laughs> made per word. I'm in... He probably made, like, a couple million for, like, a couple days' work. Or, like, a couple hours for <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna... No, now I think of it, he probably did this, like, on his iPhone. <laughs> and, like, maybe James Gunn occasionally had to Skype in and tell him, like, uh, could you enunciate that just a little bit clearer? 
<laughs> but that fits for this guy so well. Oh, I mean, we didn't really talk about her, but Harley Quinn is awesome, obviously. Um, yeah. We liked the Birds of Prey movie. They're probably not going to make another one of those, though, are they? Uh, I guess not. Because I think, didn't that movie underperform at the box office? Yes, it Yeah, did. but it was also right before the pandemic, so that's a thing in its favor that they could use it as an excuse. I don't know if that quite... I think that was right, but I think that was a little before that. It was... I remember reading that people thought it was a, it disappointed, but... On the other hand, I think the problem was it was called Birds of Prey, and maybe people didn't really know what that was. And then they added that long, like, emancipation yeah. thing about Harley Quinn. They should have just called it Harley Quinn the Birds of Prey. Yeah. And then maybe more people have seen it. That was also R-rated. Um, I would... Uh, what's interesting with this movie, for a moment I was worried when she has... Because Harley Quinn, she has a whole subplot that's very funny involving, like, the one of the military leaders in Cordo Maltese. Uh, we didn't even touch on that. It's quite amusing. And how, like, she kills him is, like, an amazing villain monologue. Like, one of the best. Uh, but then she's, like, tied up, tortured, but then she, you know, of course, escapes. I was worried for a moment, like, wait, didn't she... She kind of did this in Birds of Prey. Like she, she had that big scene in the in the prison where she also like has the big fight scene, but then it goes into like a whole other area that made it work for me. Yeah, so I was saying I personally would have enjoyed another Birds of Prey movie, but if we're not going to get one, I'm fine with just having her in the Suicide Squad movies, provided James Gunn keeps making them because. Yeah. I like this movie even better than the Birds of Prey movie. And the Birds of Prey movie was good, but I like this one even better. So, Yeah. She, I mean, uh, I don't know, do you have any Harley Quinn thoughts? I mean, I liked her. She kind of liked the same thing as in the first movie, where she just dared to use somebody else's weapon to save the day. So that's kind of like a thing. Like, she doesn't need to really be in the Suicide Squad. She's there because she's like the most famous DC villain character that they have access to. But here's, you know what my counter that would be, though? Margot Robbie is just so good, though, in the performance. Sure. Like, I don't care in a way. Like, I just love her as this character, and I think that that can excuse, a, like, w like maybe some weak writing in that way because she, like, is that much of a personality. Like, um, kind of the same thing in a way with Idris Elba. Like, I think you needed someone like him as this character to just, like, have a constant, like, for fuck's sake. Because <laughs> he can deliver that line, like, a hundred different ways, and it's still good. But, like, yeah. Like, she, if she's going to be in these movies, yeah, A, J James Gunn, you know, needs to work with her, and B, you know, it, yeah. Although, although I will say, like, was it, what was the, was his name Javelin? Yes. <laughs> of course his name was Javelin. Like, uh, but that ends up, like, at least it's not like a random thing, though, that she just picks up to to use in that set piece. It, you're const you are reminded of it repeatedly, and you know, okay, this is going to be used. This is going to be used, uh, and ultimately it is. So that's kind of neat. But were you familiar with the with the cannon fodder um, Suicide Squad from the opening scene characters? I'm familiar with some of them. Um, but, like, that's, like, the gist of it, that a lot of times they do get, like, Deadpool 2'd out in these missions. Yeah, and yeah. by the way, another character, uh, Nathan Fillion, is part of the group as TDK. <laughs> Detached? And they put the yeah. little nubbins oh. on, like, the edge of an action figure? Yeah, and <laughs> I was like, I think you and I, Matt, were the only ones laughing when, like, then, like, his limbs get shot off. <laughs> and, like, he, and then, like, his body on the ground, like, ah! Like, and then reacting to it. And every, I think the audience were take like, laugh a little bit, guys. Like, this is TDK's limbs getting shot. I laughed. Yeah. That's the other thing we should mention. If you guys are ever in a movie theater, like, and you hear Matt's laughter, it's unmistakable. And quite joyful. Yeah, we always say, when I say we, I mean me and Jack, when we talk about you when you're not around. Um, we say that, like, 
Watching the movie is fun. Watching you watch the movie is also very fun. Because you are a very, like, animated viewer. So it provides, like, an extra level of fun to the whole experience. Yeah. And, yeah, I... This, I, this movie has definitely some tonal similarities to Deadpool. Like, I thought of Deadpool, too, because they have, like, the cannon fodder, like, team as well. I like this even more than, like, either Deadpool, and I like both Deadpool movies a lot. I'm... I don't know. I might put this on par with the first Deadpool. Like, I probably like a little more than Deadpool 2. Um, like, it, I'm trying to think of... Because there were certain little things that... Like, maybe it went a little long for this. Like, maybe, like, if it had been two hours instead of, like, like 2.15 or something. I know it's, like, a small complaint, but... I, on the other hand, I'm trying to think what I would cut out, and I'm having trouble. I'd say... It was nice for once to actually enjoy the action climax of one of these movies instead of just kind of, like, sitting through it as my penance for, like, watching well, the rest of the movie. That's the thing. I felt like, oh, this is what happens when a real, like, a director gets to actually envision the whole sequence and execute it and it's not being done by a second unit team where it looks like so schlocky and fake because you know it was done like a year before the rest of the movie was shot <laughs> blackwood into the MCU, those, like, final climactic action scenes for me are usually between like okay to sigh do I have to do this? Can't we just leave a title card that said, like, they fought and we can all, like, move on? It was so nice to have a final action climax that I was actually really into. Yeah. Well, and again, it's it, how can you not be into a giant starfish that's opening up its sides to shoot out lots of little starfish that create like a starfish army. Yeah. What is like so were this the army of starfish like characters were they just going to like were they going to do anything special like to kill off people or they just control. So what happened is Starro shot out the little starfish and when the starfish like glommed onto your face it yeah. controlled your mind and plugged you into a singular collective. Yeah. And what's interesting, though, at the end, it seemed like when Starro was finally, you know, uh, you know, taken out, the I expected the usual thing that then, like, everybody wakes up and is like, oh, the star, the starfish, what happened? But they didn't do that. I think everyone's just dead. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of, I don't know, I felt, I guess that's, that works better than what they always do, but same time it's a little it's all sad yeah all those people like it's ironic when you think about it at the end like there's this whole thing because finally this kind of rebel army led by alicia Al alice of alicia braga or alice braga i think is her name like uh you know they, they take over the government and now like you know the court of maltese will be run by the people yay but like how many of your fucking people have been killed by this giant starfish? Like, Starro, like, how are you gonna bounce back from that? Yeah, that's why they, they killed it before it got to, like, the main part of the city, so... Uh, and... it seemed like it destroyed a lot of the city. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, but they could have been worse. Yeah, they like, they worse. have this people's government, I'd love to see how much their taxes go up. They'll build better together. Oh. <laughs> uh, but, um, oh, I know, oh. I would have even liked this movie if it had been a little bit longer, because, like, I kept wanting to spend more time with, like, the weirdo characters that you don't really get to see a lot of in other stuff, and, like, get to, like, sort of, like, it depends who your your favorites are, that, like, maybe you don't get to see much of, like, I was kind of disappointed that they killed Captain Boomerang right off the bat, like, I was hoping, like, that the mm -hmm. final stinger would have yeah. been like, oh, we saved Captain Boomerang, but no, it's just Peacemaker. Damn it. <laughs> Did you like him in the first yes. Suicide Squad movie? Yeah. He was actually one of the more, like, not uh, uh, aggravating things in the movie. Like, Jai Courtney, he actually surprised me in the first Suicide Squad because he was actually seemed to have, like, a lot of fun, you know, and it, it's 
he even with like the movie not giving a lot to do, he had a lot of on screen you know personality. He's King Dirtbag. Yes. Oh God! Did you? I don't know, Matt, if you've ever seen the video about it's called the Art of Editing and Suicide Squad. Uh huh. It's very. It's it's not very long. It's a little over half an hour. It's on YouTube, and I think that was one of the things that made me realize, like, oh yeah, this movie kind of is not as strong as I first thought, and a lot of it's down to just like really terrible like editing choices. Like he has like a pink unicorn, but then like. He gets stabbed in the movie, but it's not the unicorn that saved him. It's like a lot of money. <laughs> I know this doesn't make any sense for people who haven't seen the first Suicide Squad. I I apologize if you haven't, although I assume most of you have. So I think Matt is right that personally, I feel like what creators should be doing is they should be rating the backbench more and not just retelling the stories of the same, like, five comic book characters over and over and over again. Yeah. Like, we need a Batman movie, ladies and gentlemen. We need more polka dot men and rat catcher twos. And yeah, yeah. And, we, and, and we need to have them not be just completely ironic. Like, that's the thing about... In the group, you're not, they're not all like quip machines. Like, that's why to me, um, you know, Daniel Mel Melchior is actually one of my favorite characters in the movie because she has like a really like sad backstory involving her dad, uh, cameo by Taika Watiti. Uh, and you know, it, it's a really like, it actually brings you into like, you know, her, you know, why she loves these rats and it even then opens up Idris Elba because of his his backstory was just like, okay. <laughs> well, no shit, you don't like rats. That's you, you could have just said, I don't like rats. Like, people would understand. Like, I love that she pressed him, like, why don't you like rats? And my thought is, rats suck. I mean, although I'd say this movie makes them cute. They are really good pets, apparently, though. Yeah, my friend in high school had pet rats, and they seemed nice. My, I had a friend who had a pet rat as well, and I did not understand it. I thought briefly of, I remember reading an article, kind of in the beginning of the pandemic, how the rats in New York City had become increasingly bizarre and vicious, because they were starving and masked. It's like all the restaurants were closed down and all the, the subway traffic was down like 80%. So the rats were facing this like mass starvation event. And the rats, it like changed their society. And they became, um, again, like very vicious towards each other. Like they had to start eating each other. Because, like, there's nothing else to eat. And there are little, like, rat hierarchies and rat society became, like, very bizarre. It's, it's interesting. That should be, like, the spinoff where, uh, <laughs> where, where Rat Catcher 2 has to, like, deal with rat politics. Yeah, I liked her a lot because she was so soulful. And she was kind of, like, a warm and fuzzy character without being annoying about it. Yeah. And yeah. she was constantly napping, so she's entirely relatable. <laughs> About yeah, it's a good point. Normally, it's like you wonder when do these characters sleep, and it's like, hey, here's where they sleep. Apparently, the actress's name on set was Napcatcher because she really would take naps. <laughs> <laughs> My hero. Oh, it's a good piece of trivia. I didn't realize that. Yep. Um. Alright, so I mean, are there... Oh, oh, another character that gets taken out, by the way, very quickly. Pete Davidson. Shot in the fucking face. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> His asking price was too high, otherwise he would have been more of the movie. <laughs> um, oh, and by, uh, I, did, I was that guy for uh, a second that I know everybody hates in movies who will point and be like, that's Matt Damon. And, or you know, or like, or you know, that's that's uh, uh, you know, that's Margot Robbie. Like, I didn't do that. Usually, I I think that's annoying. I did do that a little like quietly to Lloyd Kaufman, who of course you know, as in Guardians, uh, showed up in like uh, a scene at a bar. I was like, it's Lloyd Kaufman. 
<laughs> I wonder one one more. I, I I've read a couple of re- reviews, Matt, that said that this is like a hundred eighty million dollar trauma movie. Would you agree? I don't know if I'd quite agree with that. I mean, I could see some of the touches, but I mean, it has like sort of the same sensibilities of like really over the top gore and like some of it. Yeah, I think where it's it doesn't quite work is just how trauma had all of those sensibilities, but it was on, like, such, like, a cheap budget. Yeah. Whereas here, it's hard to necessarily have that when there's, like, clearly so much money on the screen. And this is a much bigger scale, too. Yeah. Yeah. Stakes are much higher. Yeah, stakes are much higher. Like, I I maybe felt it a little bit with just the whole image of the star, of the starfishes on the faces, that and like the, the 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 shots of all like the starfish army like the the the, the hordes, um, that felt a bit trauma to me. I can't get over how great that giant starfish looked. I'm like, yeah. I know I've said it like half a dozen times in this review, but I really hope this movie is a big hit because I feel like this is what the glutted marketplace of superhero films needs. It's, it's exactly this. It's made by someone who has, like, a point of view. It's <laughs> nice to have a filmmaker with a point of view who's making, like, these kind of movies. And who actually likes the source material. Yes, he, he, like the, too. he likes the source material. He's not just, like, working with characters that are kind of forced on him and... You know, I, hopefully he had more than six weeks to write this script, unlike David Ayer. Uh, and, and yeah, yeah, he likes the material. In that same way that, you know, Joss Whedon, you know, really loved, you know, clearly loved, you know, the Avengers. Um, that So it's kind of a similar thing like that. Uh, so I don't know, final, final thoughts? This movie's awesome. Please go see it. I really want it to succeed because we need more movies with Vim and Vigor. Yes. We need Vim, Vigor, and King Sharks. And Nom Noms. <laughs> All right. You want to wrap it up? I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, I would maybe not rank it above Guardians of the Galaxy 2, but then that's probably my second favorite Marvel movie. And I you know, really like Guardians of the Galaxy. I, again, they're, but they are different movies. I've heard James Gunn say those movies he looks at as, like, fables or something. Like, they're their own thing. Um, whereas this, he clearly is just like, I want to make, like, the bloodiest movie. One of the bloodiest movies of my career. And I have all this money. I'm just going to go wild. And he did. Matt? Yes, yeah, was the trailer for a movie that I was looking forward to the most for the year. And it did not disappoint. <laughs> I was so pleased with this. Yes. And good. Yes. Um yeah. So again, go yeah, d- check it out. Right now it's in theaters and on HBO Max uh, for the next month. Uh so if you are still hesitant about going to the theaters, I mean, you can watch it there, but if you have a way of seeing the theater, I would recommend it that way. It's in a way really fascinating to be in an audience who don't really know how to react to, like, Silver Age characters being thrown at them. And uh, on an IMAX screen, no less, by the way. And this movie was shot in IMAX. So that, I think, added to why the movie looked so good, too. Um, I'm sure it looked good regular projection as well. Um, if you have any thoughts about it, please uh, share with us at wageofcinema.gmail.com. Uh, we're also on Facebook, Instagrams, uh, the Twitters. Uh, we'll post uh, our episodes regularly and maybe a little fun thing here and there. Um, and uh, and also the Green Knight. Go see that. Matt, where can you be found? You can find my blog at mattthecatania.wordpress.com. Yes, and please do check out his blog. It's quite a work of art unto itself. Uh, you know. I'm always enjoying reading that. And uh, so, and next time, I no idea where we'll take this. We're going to go on another mission into cinema. <laughs> and hopefully we don't have a tracker in our head that will make our heads explode. Maybe we'll just feel unimpressed by something. <laughs> <laughs> Which is its own tracker. Uh, until next time, though, I'm Jack. 
I am Trash Panda Cory. And I am Stamarino. <laughs> and the wages of cinema is hugs. Yes, the wages of cinema is Michael Rooker at the beginning of this movie. <laughs> Good night, everybody. You gotta be kidding me. You're gonna risk the entire mission for a mental defective dress as a court jester. It's coming from a guy that wears a toilet seat on his head. We don't leave one of our own behind. Hopefully Harley's still alive. No funny business, Colonel. These are dangerous people. Team two is clear to go. Fire up. Three, two. What are you guys doing? What? You, we're, we're here to save you. You were gonna save me? It was a really good plan, too. Well, I can go back inside and you can still do it. That's patronizing. I'm so sorry. Harley Quinn. Bloodsport.